Welcome to City on a Hill's podcast. This week's podcast can be downloaded on iTunes or our media library at chccny.com. Well, here we are, travelers. Here we are. Are you ready for your trip? Some of you don't look too excited. <laughs> I know it is 46 degrees outside, roughly, but where you are headed, I can promise you, the weather is about 78 degrees, not a cloud in the sky. Tomorrow, same weather. Day after that, same weather. Wednesday, same weather. Forever. Thank you, my friend. Well, as you already figured out from the, uh, the skit, we are going to be talking about heaven. A topic that is not really discussed that much in church. And I want to start with a, a very neat story In 1952, a woman by the name of Florence Chadwick stepped into the waters of the Pacific Ocean off of Catalina Island, and she was attempting to, she was determined to swim to the shore of mainland California. Well, she heads out into the water and she starts swimming, and she's in the water for two hours, and she's making her way to the mainland four hours, six hours, 15 hours into this grueling journey. She has boats aside, you know, right beside her as she's traveling, and she is utterly exhausted. She is depleted. She has no energy left. And the boat that is nearest to her on the right has her mom in it. And her mom is trying to cheer on. She's, Florence, you are almost there. You almost made it. Come on, keep going. Keep pushing. Persevere. Don't stop now. But she says, Mom, I'm done. I can't swim anymore. And the reason that that she probably can't is because when she looked out right in front of her, there was a fog that had descended on the ocean. And she can't see five feet ahead of her. So she can't see how far away she is from land. Well, the next day at her news conference, she said these words because as she found out when she got in the boat a few minutes later, she was 98% there. She was less than a mile from the shore, roughly a half mile. And she stopped. She quit. And these are her words at the news conference the next day. All I could see was the fog. I think if I could have seen the shore, I would have made it. All I could see was the fog. How many of you can relate to that? In your life, the fog that is all around us, the fog of despair, the fog of fear, the fog of anxiety that besets us as we are in this race and as we're swimming and as we're moving and we keep going and we feel like there's a fog. Where am I? I don't know where I am. Where is my destiny? Where is my destination? How can I keep going in this race? Oh, yes, there is an enemy. And there is a fog that is around us. And we are called as Christians to move and to persevere and to keep moving, to keep going. And listen, through the ages, there has been a place, a source of strength for Christians. And it is heaven. And it is something that we need to talk about more in churches across this world. Not just here, but everywhere. It's a topic that we need to talk about and dream about and imagine and tell our kids about. Because there is a world that is out there, as you saw. Did you see some of the misconceptions? They're everywhere. White clouds and the harps. And we're going to get into some of that stuff. 
And I want to, right from the start, I want to give you an idea, not just in this sermon, but these are some of the questions that I would like to look at in this series on heaven. Have you ever heard a series on heaven before? I know you haven't, so it it was a rhetorical question. Um, here, Here are some of the questions that we are going to be looking at. First one, what is the nature of the present heaven? Now, this is not... This question, it is not really for today because it's probably a whole sermon in and of itself. But I will say this and give you a little insight if you don't know this already. The heaven that exists right now is a temporary heaven. You know, and I always laugh that we, people always say, I'm just a pilgrim passing through. It's really not true that we are going to rule and reign on this earth that is here. That God is going to refurbish it. That it is in all of its glory and all of its splendor before the fall of man. This is where we are going to rule and reign and there are going to be cities. So your loved ones, people that you know, they are in a temporary heaven. When you pass one day, you will be in a temporary heaven with all the other myriads of saints that have gone on before you. But saints, there is a day that will come one day when all of the saints, you won't have your resurrected body, but the great day when all the saints will gather together and all things will be made new. God says, I will create a new heavens and a new earth and all things that before the fall, God says, I will make it beautiful once again we need the fog that is around us may it be eradicated may we truly see what our destiny is and what he has in store for us i'm already getting too excited what is the difference between what heaven looks like now and what heaven will look like for eternity i kind of got ahead of myself there Um, do people in the present heaven see what is happening on earth A question that you've probably talked to your loved ones about, friends you've thought of before, I would imagine. Do heaven's inhabitants remember life on earth? Do you remember things that actually happen while you're here? Good question, right? Do all dogs go to heaven? And then one more. Will we be bored in heaven? I think you saw some of that in the skit this morning. So I wanted to outline for you right from the start, these are some of the questions that we are going to delve into in this series. Time Magazine, how about this? They had a cover story not too long ago, and it was entitled, Does Heaven Exist? But this is the line that arrested me as I read the article. And let me put it up there for you. It used to be that the hereafter was virtually palpable, But American religion now seems almost allergic to imagining it. Allergic. This is a secular source talking about American religion. But for us as Christians, how come we are allergic to imagining and talking about our destiny as people? That's what will give us the strength to endure in this race. You know, some of the books through the ages, and I am indebted, I'll say this up front, if you want to read the the best book that is out there on heaven, Randy Alcorn, some of you probably read his book, The Treasure Principle. How many of you read that book? Well, this book on heaven, it's an extensive study on the topic. It's just called heaven. It is absolutely wonderful. And I highly recommend that if the topic interests you, it really should, um, that you would pick up the book at some point in your lives. 
And he talks about in the book, he gives, he gives some examples of people like John Calvin. You may not have heard the name before, Reinhold Niebuhr, who was an American theologian and scholar, and Charles Spurgeon, to go on and on. He gives a list of all these people and all their seminal works, all their great works, these books that they wrote. None of them talk about heaven. One of them, Spurgeon, the, the nature of, what was the name of the, I never read the book, the nature and destiny of man, yet there is no mention of heaven. The nature and destiny of man, and there's no mention of heaven in the entire book? How is that possible? There is a lack of teaching in the church in general about heaven. And I think that's what Randy Alcorn, that's his mission in life. And that's what really inspired me. And I said, you know what? I really want to do something on the topic. And I understand it's a topic that you're like, wow, heaven? How do you, re- I mean, is, how do you really understand that? How do you explain that? How do you describe that? Well, this is not James Lecce's interpretation of heaven. We are going to look at what the Bible has to say about heaven. Because there's more in there than you probably think. But no classes, I mean, I, I took an eschatology class, study of the end times in seminary. There wasn't, we didn't talk about heaven. It was, you know, you pre-trib, or you post-trib, we talked about Israel, talked about the rapture, all these different ideas. We didn't talk about heaven. How can you have an eschatology class and not talk about heaven? Isn't that kind of weird? It's akin to this. Imagine this. You are chosen to take part in a space mission to go to Mars. Who's in? I'm in. Who's coming with me? You want to come with me, right? You're excited? You have extensive training. You train for a a couple of years. You are training. You you are twisted steel. Your body is ready to go. And it's that final moment and you're there in the rocket ship. And you look next to your friend that is on your right. And you kind of look at the person and you say, Hey, you know anything about Mars? And the guy looks back at you. Not really. Do you? No. I guess we'll find out when we get there. Can you imagine that? We'll find out when we get there. That's what it's really like. And you go to this place that your final destination, you've studied for so long about Mars, getting ready to go there, but you don't know anything about it. That's what it's like as Christians. And unfortunately, so many of us in this room, and it's not a slight against you, but so many of us don't know anything about our final destination. And that's why I am here. I'm on a mission today, on my own little mission, to try to help us and to see that. And the first message is really the most basic, but it's to inspire us, to lift our eyes to the heavens, to help us in those tough, arduous times. When you, the fog is all around you, it's pervasive, and you can't really see left or right. And there's no breakthrough in your life. That's what I'm here for in this series, and namely today. I love how C.S. Lewis put it. Most of us find it very difficult to want heaven at all. Except in so far as heaven means meeting again our friends who have died. One reason for this difficulty is that we have not been trained Our whole education tends to fix our minds on this world. And again, that's not a slight, but that's the reality of the world in which we live in, that we focus so much on what we can see in front of us, what we see with our eyes. That's what we think is truly real. But as we know, there is another world that is unseen, that is more important than this world that we live in. And there is an enemy, and please do not miss this. The enemy does not want, he doesn't, he's not trying to prove to you that heaven doesn't exist. Please understand that. 
I'm outlining, this is his tactics. He's not trying to say to you, I hope you don't believe that heaven is real. No, no, no. He wants us to believe that heaven is a place that is just so boring and it's this, this unearthly existence that who the heck would want to go there? That is the lie. You, you, you see this? You see, he tries to, what Satan is trying to do is he wants to slander God. He wants to slander God's people because we're made in the image of God and he wants to slander God's place, which is heaven. And that's what he is working around the clock to do. Oh, and he has been quite successful in having us picture, have these pictures in our mind of what heaven will truly be like that are just utterly boring. And remember who he was. He was the son of the morning. He was Lucifer. Before he fell from heaven like lightning, he's the son of the morning. He is the top angel there in heaven. He remembers what heaven was like and he doesn't want us to know. He's going to do everything in his power to rob you while you live in this world. While you live on this side of the glass, the enemy will do everything that he can to separate you from the love of God, to separate you from God's promises, and to separate you from your final destiny of where you really are going and who you are. Do not let him rob you. So I'm asking, Lord, I'm asking this morning and through this series, you give us supernatural eyes to see. Lord, I ask that by the power of your spirit, enliven every single word. Give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation, Lord, in this place. Reveal to us, Lord, that which is indescribable, that which people think is unknowable, Lord. That you would anoint, that you would open up, Lord, that I as the speaker, Lord, I am powerless to describe heaven, Lord. But by the, by the power of your spirit, Lord, you can do something that I can't. Father, light us of fire, Lord, with our true destiny. Lord, change us in how we live our lives. Lord, may we not live for, for the, that little dot, Lord. I never forgot that illustration, living for the dot and living for the line, Lord. We live here for, what, 70, 80 years. We want to live for that line, which is all of eternity, Lord, our eternal lives. That death is just the conveyor belt that takes us from one realm of existence to another. May we be people that walk around with our eyes wide open, Lord. And may we not be robbed by the enemy who has come to rob, to steal, to kill, and destroy. So we're coming at you in the name of Jesus and all of the images that you've presented. We cast them out, Lord, and we ask by the power of your spirit that you would show us what is real and what is true. Amen. Oh, he is a liar and how he wants to take us out. Now, how many of you are far side fans? I know Naeem is. I, I had asked him this week. I'm not, but it's a good illustration. And there's a great uh, cartoon. And it, here's the cartoon. You see the picture. Isn't this, wish I brought a magazine. Like this guy's like marooned on this like little cloud. And I think you kind of saw that in the skit. I don't remember. I'm listening behind the closed door. So it was hard to hear everything. It was a little muffled. But somebody had referred to that about the clouds. And I'm like, this is such a picture of what so many people believe. And you look at all the TV shows that are out there. The Touched by an Angel and Stairway to Heaven. I don't know all the names. Whatever. You know what I'm talking There are a lot of shows out there. And I get embarrassed when I see some of them and how they depict heaven and what life will be like. This is it. No wonder why people don't want to go to heaven. I'd rather spend the rest of my eternal life in Disney World. Seriously. 
Yes, I just went again. And I do have a story for you. Disney will make it into this sermon. I could bring in multiple stories, but I will only bring in one. Oh, gosh. So we have distorted thinking. And you know what? I, I brought a friend in here today. Jameson doesn't know that I brought this friend in today. I hope he's still alive. Oh, gosh. He had a rough trip to get from 25. He's hiding behind the little thing there. This is the dirtiest fish tank you have ever seen. He is some hardy little betta fish. This is a Japanese fighting fish. If you can see him here, Jameson called Nemo, right? Very creative, right? Nemo's. Can I tell you a really quick story? This is funny about Disney. So we go to Disney, all the different parks and stuff. Keith, you'll appreciate this. We get home. Jameson, what was your favorite ride? The Nemo ride, right? It is cute, right? What was mommy's favorite ride? Peter Pan. Horrible. What was daddy's favorite ride? Ariel ride. There's an Ariel ride. Really, kid? I took you to Disney World, and you thought my favorite ride was Ariel? I'm in a little clamshell, and I'm going. I'm like, this is, I mean, are you kidding me? That's what, so now I say it all the time. What was your favorite ride? What was mommy's favorite ride? What was daddy's favorite ride? Ariel, thanks. Appreciate it. Love you. Love you too, right? Seriously? Come on. So, this is our friend Nemo, right? He's in the tank. And, and seriously, the, the kid dumped in maybe half of the fish food in the tank. This is, I, I bought this on his birthday, thinking the guy maybe would live one or two months. This guy is going to live forever. He is never going to die. Really, I, I don't think he, it's unbelievable how he's lived. But I want you to imagine Nemo's little existence in this, in this little tank, right? Think about his existence. Life isn't too bad in here. It's not too good either, but... Just look at the water, right? It needs to be cleaned again, Dad. Um, but when you think about his existence, don't you think he's wondering what's on the other side of that glass? Really, think about it. Don't you think he's wondering what's on the other side? And people get all up in his face, and they're like, you know, Jameson's hitting the tank, right? And you see the movie Finding Nemo, and the, the girl that goes to the dentist's office, she goes to see her uncle. What's her name? I don't even remember her name. Oh, Marla, thank you. Yes. <laughs> Marvelous Marla. So Marla comes in, right? Well, it's the same kind of thing. But this guy is wondering, what is life like outside of my little fish tank? He wants to know. He wants to see. But for now, this is all he's really experiencing. Friends, for us as Christians, we're no different. And you see, there is life outside of the glass that we can see. There is another world that is just as real. It is more real than this tangible world that we're looking at. And again, it's foggy just like you see in this fish tank. Thank you for being foggy. It is foggy just like that. That is the battle that we are up against as Christians. There is so much more. And through the ages, when you think about it, some of the Christians, the first followers of Christ, how they fixed their eyes on the unseen. They ruminated on what life would be like on the other side of the glass. How about the Apostle Paul? Look what he wrote. Look what he wrote. He wrote these, pen these words. Yeah. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Oh, gosh. 
how rich that text is. And we've heard that a million times. But what he's telling us, fix your eyes not on what you see in this world. The people that have had the greatest impact on this world thought the most of the next world. C.S. Lewis said that. And you fast forward it. I found this and I thought this was absolutely fascinating. Fast forward to the 19th century. The institution of slavery. Well, slaves who had nothing else to look forward to but heaven. These are the songs that they would sing. Here's one of them. I looked over Jordan and what did I see? Coming for to carry me home. A band of angels coming after me. Coming for to carry me home. Swing low, sweet chariot. Coming for to carry me home. Swing low, sweet chariot. Coming for to carry me home. Part of the problem is, is that we live in an age of affluence and ease and comfort. We're not up against it like Paul was. We, we haven't been shipwrecked and we haven't been stoned. We haven't been imprisoned. And you look at these individuals and, and the institution of slavery and what those individuals went through. I look at our lives and that's part of what we are up against because we have it so easy. Why do we look ahead when we, oh, we have so many wonderful things here on earth. Why would I look ahead? Let's live and enjoy life right here and now. I'll come to church a little bit. I'll go to some meetings. But man, I want to enjoy what I can get here. And that's, again, that's, it, it's what we're up against. That's why it's so hard in Western civilization in the United States to be Christians. I really think it's, it's harder than living in the first century. When you go through persecution... It's much easier. You turn to what you know. You turn to God. After September 11th, people are coming flocking to the churches. Then when life goes back to normal again, people, oh, you know, whatever. It's, everything's good now. I'm comfortable. Everything's okay. It's human nature. That's what we do. And some people say, James, you're up there talking about heaven. How, how much did God really reveal? And you know what? Some people, some critics, they'll say this. They'll, they'll point to this verse. 1 Corinthians 2, 9. And again, a verse that you're very familiar with. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God pre- prepared for those who love him. You read that. Well, God hasn't prepared. Well, how do we know? We, we can't know. Eye hasn't seen. No mind has conceived. What God hasn't. But they forget the next verse. You see, they forget verse 10, which says this. These are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. Which means he has revealed things to us in his word about heaven. And as a little sidebar here, I don't know how many of you read some of those life after death books. Like, did you read the um, heaven is for real? How many of you read Heaven is for Real? Wonderful book, four-year-old boy that has a life-after-death experience. Fascinating. But I'll say to you, his father's a minister, and there are a lot of doubters out there. It's still in the top 20 on the New York Times bestseller list. But there is a book that I've, I read recently. Um, it came out this past year. It's like number four or five on the, on the top seller list right now. It's called The Proof of Heaven. And the author's name is Eben Alexander. You know what's interesting about him? Dude is a neuroscientist, a neurosurgeon, neurosurgeon, okay? This guy was not a believer, a nominal believer at best, did not like want to have anything to do with Christianity. That's what's cool to me. Those kind of stories, that's why it's at the top of the list. And this guy, there's um, in one of the appendix, I think it's like appendix A in, in the back of the book. He talks about um, how he sat down with seven of his science buddies who aren't Christians either, and they tried to scientifically explain the experience that he had with his life after death experience. And guess what? 
They couldn't come up with one good reason as to why it They couldn't explain it. Science could not explain it. It tries to explain everything. Guess what? They had to come to the conclusion, just like this man had to come to the conclusion, that heaven is indeed a real place. So if you're somebody that's sitting here right now, don't take it from the preacher. Don't take it from the Bible. Take it from a guy that's a neurosurgeon who wasn't a Christian. Thank you very much. I could sit down now, but I'm not. No, really. I, that's why I read the book. I was so interested by it. I said, wow, that's a, that's a great book. So many of the books we read, 90 Minutes in Heaven, all Christians. Here's a guy. He now is somebody that, I mean, I don't totally agree with all of his theology, but he's somebody, he's an Episcopalian, and he goes to church. He had a life, obviously, a life-changing event when that happens to you. But while, too, I won't, I won't not bore you with any of the details, but I don't want to go off on a tangent. You need to read it and see some of the, how he tries to explain what he sees. Fascinating, utterly fascinating. And the time that's left, I promise I won't be long. I know it's kind of late. I just want to give you a couple of things about what heaven is like. Can I do that? Just take a couple of minutes. I just want to, and basic things. Um, again, I'm not going into like the new heaven, the new earth, the weightier things. I'm going to keep this pretty simple today, but I just wanted to talk about some of the things that we can look forward to as Christians, as Christ followers, about our final destiny. And the first one is one that I think everyone in here already knows, but heaven will be a place of love and relationships. Love and relationships. That there will be connection, there will be real community. What does Jesus say to the thief on the cross in, in Luke 23? Today you will be with me in paradise. You will get to experience real community. And talking about it, I put one of the questions up there. Will you recognize people? Oh yes, you will recognize people. Think about on the Mount of Transfiguration, right? When Jesus is there with the disciples and Moses and Elijah appear to them, how come Jesus and the disciples knew exactly who they were? No one had to tell them who they were. They knew and understood that. And that's one of the cool things when you read those books. The, uh, the, the, the young boy that wrote that book, that heaven is for real, he talks about how he met his great-grandfather who had already been deceased, was, died long before he was alive. And he describes what he looked like when he was a younger man and he's describing him to his father, somebody whom he'd never met before amazing. And again, understand, I don't have all the answers. Nobody has all the answers, but we need to have an imagination. And we need to talk about it. That's the problem. We don't use our imagination enough. Think, dwell, have fun with this stuff. I hate all these rules and, well, it doesn't, no, it couldn't be. No, have fun with it. Imagine. What do you think it's really like? Let your imagination run wild. Be an imagineer. Did you get it, Megan? <laughs> That's a Disney reference again. See how many I can put in with staying on task. In Revelation 7, it talks about the myriads of people that we will see in heaven. Every tribe, every nation, every people, every language. Isn't that hard to fathom? Do you ever go to a place, and again, sorry, but it's true, in a place like Disney, you hear all these different languages everywhere. I, I always think, I'm like, wow, this is almost a little glimpse of what heaven's like. Pick a place where you've been, and you hear all these different kinds of languages. We talk in English, and some of you are fluent in other languages, but think about what heaven will be like for all different kinds of people will be gathered there. And I know for some of us in this room, you're like connection, community, maybe something where you grew up in a family, maybe you were abused psychologically, physically, or you're somebody that, you know what, you may, I'm kind of a loner, and I don't have those kind of relationships. Well, I'm telling you, there's something for you to look forward to. 
Those relationships that you've always wanted, that life that you've always wanted is awaiting you and you will experience real deep connection and you will know and you will be known on a level that is incomprehensible to us, but is totally amazing. That's real. That's for us. Love relations. How about number two? Heaven will be a place of intellectual growth and discovery. We think, right, come on, we think that we get to heaven. Understand this too. Heaven is not some static place. It is not you get up to heaven and oh, you know everything about heaven. I know everything that ever happened. I know everything I need to know. Hey God, how are you? Thanks for letting me know everything. You will not know everything. For all eternity, you will still, still keep going and experiencing and trying to understand all that God is and all that he has for you. And think about all the things. Think, I know some of us in here, I'm going off on a tangent a little bit, but think about work. Some of us in here hate our jobs, right? You hate your job. And to think that you want to go sip like a, maybe have a nice drink, a non-alcoholic drink, and sit on a cloud. That's heaven for you. You would like to do that because you hate your job. But imagine those things where you're involved in something that you're passionate about. That's what heaven will be like. There will be real work. So if you're someone that says, all I want to do is rest, I'm sorry, heaven will not be that way. But you'll be involved in things that you love. That It's like when you look at your watch, like, oh my gosh, where did the time go? The time just flew by. I can't believe it. That's what heaven's going to be like. You don't seem excited for that. I am. <laughs> But that's really what heaven will be like. There will be real work. We'll understand. I think we'll be able to ask God, and, and taking some of this from Randy Alcorn, but we'll be able to ask God about certain tragedies that maybe happen in our life and things that were unfolding. And as Pastor Linda said before about interceding, maybe we'll find out about some of the great battles that were taking place in the angelic realm and how Michael came in and interceded for us and how angels were among us and how they helped us because people were praying and the mother that was sitting home and praying for her kids and those people that are at a Wednesday night prayer meeting. Are you kidding me? You will find that out. I guarantee you, you come this Wednesday and you pray and there will be a day at the Bema Seed, totally going off topic here, but there will be a day, a Bema Seed, which is a reward ceremony for every Christian that's there. And when you're praying for your kids or your community or your loved ones, you will be recompensed for that. That's the good news of the gospel. That's the good news of heaven. Like I should do like a commercial or something for heaven. <laughs> Put me on TV. I'll sell it. <laughs> Think about classes that you'll be able to take. I love this. I'll be able to sit there and... Yes, Professor Lewis, go on. Carry on. To listen to C.S. Lewis teach classes? Really? To take classes with Dr. Martin Luther King? To take leadership classes with Moses? To take preaching classes with Pastor Linda and Pastor Tom? <laughs> Yeah, come on. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> it's cool, right? <laughs> I didn't make it into that, but whatever. I'll, I'll come watch you. <laughs> and then some of the questions we'll be able to ask God. God, why didn't you get rid of Satan early? Or earlier? Really? What's the whole deal really with predestination? I know people, you know, you get into all these discussions. Everybody thinks they have it all figured out. They don't. God, really tell us. I mean, John Piper's over here. You have a you have all these people that have all these different ideas as to that. And I have my own ideas. I'm not sharing them. I will not divulge them. But anyway, uh, or God, what happened really from your perspective on September 11th? Can you tell us? 
Those are the kinds of things that I want to know and I want to sit there and we'll have an eternity to talk about and listen and learn from him. Yes, so heaven will be a place of intellectual growth and accomplishment and learning. And you know what? Here's another one. Heaven will be a place of rewards. And I, I said this before. This is what Randy Alcorn writes. Belief determines our eternal destination. There are two judgments. One is called the great white throne, which will happen at the end. And that's about salvation. But there is another one, as I said over here, that is the great, it, it's the Bema seat, it's the judgment seat, where we as Christians, we will go before God in all of our works. And this is how the Apostle Paul puts it. Look at this. Look at what he says in 1 Corinthians 3, 13. If it, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work, which he has built on it, endures, he will receive a reward. Are you kidding me? You will be rewarded. Please, the suffering that you go through when you're giving 10, 15, and 20%, 10 is the floor of your money, sacrificially giving, you will be rewarded. If you're somebody here, the, the, the guy, you know, I think about it as a pastor, I look at the Apostle Paul, I'm like, really? You're going to compare? Hey, Paul, how was your life? Stone, shipwreck, you know, every, imprisoned, everything. James Lecce, pastor, how was your life, buddy? Uh, you want me to compare my life to his? <laughs> I don't think I can really do that. I don't know if that's possible. I, I was a teacher, and uh, I had a flat tire one day going to work. I helped somebody. Did you, Scott, did you, you remember the time that I helped? You know, really? I mean, come on, and trying to compare. Or think about the husband that has, like, a sick spouse. And now, for, for years, they're caring for that spouse. What do you think, or how do you think God will reward that spouse, as opposed to the spouse that takes their wife for granted? You and I will be rewarded. It will blow our minds. Are, 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 the, are the neurons firing? Are, they, are you into this? Are you enjoying this? Good. Okay, there we go. <laughs> How, oh, yeah. Naeem last week with, the, with, with Neem, with the yap, right? <laughs> I was waiting for somebody to yap it up. Heaven will be a place of fascinating worlds to explore. Megan, you may not get to visit Europe now, but you will see Europe in all of its splendor one day, honey. You will get to go see London. I won't be with you, but you'll be there. <laughs> really, Randy Alcorn talks a lot about this, and it makes sense to me. These things that are here, yes, he will ref think of an old piece of furniture. God will refurbish what you see on earth. The Grand Canyon. Oh, we th you, th you think it's beautiful now? Wait till you see after when he creates the new heaven. It's not destroying. Understand. Some people think, have this notion. It's, a it's not a destroying. It's a refurbishing. It's a renovation project. Mount Everest. Think about the oceans. Anything. You name it. What there, and that is only a little taste of what we will actually see. It will blow our minds. I love trying to describe things like this. It's impossible. I'm at a loss for words. I'm not usually at a loss for words. But these kind of days I am. How about this? How about this? They asked some little kids, what's so great about heaven? Two of them. Here's what one of them answered. In heaven, there are streets of gold, and you can play out in the middle of them without anybody running over you. <laughs> this one's my favorite. Now the little kid said, you can play with wild animals there. I'm going to ride me an octopus. <laughs> Now, as for the serious topic, are there animals in heaven? Your pastor tells you today, there are dogs, there are no cats. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> yeah, cat lovers. <laughs> they didn't make it. 
couldn't resist. You know my utter disdain for all that is cats. <laughs> no, there will be, but people always wonder, will there be animals in heaven? And there's so much. I mean, every author that I looked at, and I, had a, I talked to my mom about it last night, and we were, she was even saying, Henry Cloud, he's a big dog lover. I didn't know that. And he even agrees, talks about it in one of his videos about how all dogs do go to heaven. And some of the passages, how about Revelation 6 and 9? There'll be horses in heaven. Yeah, horse lovers. Isaiah 11, uh, Isaiah 11 speaks of the lion and the lamb and wolves in heaven. Uh, the wolves, a little, little shaky there. Obviously kidding. Obviously animals. It's not going to be survival of the fittest. It's not going to be social Darwinism. And here's my real illustration from Disney. My favorite ride is at the is Animal Planet, whatever that place. What is it called? Animal Kingdom. Sorry. All right. That's Animal Planet. I'm still going to call it that. And my favorite ride there is the safari. How many of you have been at that safari ride? I couldn't help but think about it as I'm going through and I'm trying to like talk to Jameson about it. And he's really not interested. I'm like, listen, kid, in another couple of days, you're going to be back home looking at snow. Here you are looking at all these great animals in this little safari. But think about this. All these animals, there are two lions that are set back there, elephants and rhinos. And none of those animals are coming after people. They're well fed. But isn't it almost a picture of what heaven is truly going to be like? That the lion will lie down with the lamb? How come Disney's stories understand it and get it right more than we do as Christians? When they have all these animals and they're playing together, that is a true picture of what heaven will be like. Yes, friends, I do believe that you will see your animals again one day. I do believe that, and there are, I only gave you a couple, but there are numer numerous passages. How about this? What would the Bible be like? There'd be no book of Jonah, right? Because if you didn't have a big fish. How about Mary, right? She, she comes into Bethlehem. What is she riding? A donkey. No donkey, no Mary. Jesus, what does he ride into uh, Jerusalem on? A colt. Palm Sunday. Think about all these events. And then here's the big one. How many of you watched the Bible last week? Did you watch it? Did you enjoy it? Yeah, it was pretty good, right? Pretty good. Of course, Megan gets annoyed at me because I'm like, well, let me see how old Isaac's going to be with Abraham and see if it's a true actual. Just watch the show, honey. <laughs> All right, I get it. She's right. But um, how about that first scene with Noah and the ark? Think about it. What God saves, the only other creatures that he saves, that he gives tickets to, here you go, here's a ticket, come on, are the animals. Did you sit there and think about that? God loves animals, loves them. He created them. Yes, he does love them, and I believe that. And you can look in the word. Don't come up to me afterwards and fight me on that. I, I don't want to fight about that one. Just accept it. Uh, <laughs> getting towards the end here. Heaven will be a place of great joy and laughter. C.S. Lewis says, joy is the serious business of heaven. Did you hear that? Joy is the serious business of heaven. And Chesterton, what did he say? One of my all-time favorite quotes, you can't understand God until you understand Excuse me, understand he is the happiest being in the whole universe. Not one of them. He is the happiest being. And I think about it. How can, how can heaven be boring if the one who created the earth, the one that created every animal and every mountain, created giraffes and platypuses, he created all that stuff. How, there's no way heaven is going to be boring. He's created it for us. Heaven will be exhilarating. It will be refreshing. Billy Graham, Billy Graham, his, his late wife, he asked his late wife, honey, do you think there will be golf in heaven? Billy Graham, I guess, likes golf. Didn't know that. Some of you are excited. I see some of them, my cousin, my brother. I hate golf. When I play golf, another digression. When I played golf as a child, or even older, I'm, I would aim at things off the golf course. I would just aim. And they would know, and they said, I'm never playing golf with you ever again. Anyway, so 
he asked her that, and <laughs> this is what she said. She said, I love her answer. She said, yes, if that's what makes you happy. There will be fantasy football for you guys. And not for me, because I'm done with fantasy football, but for you there will be. Kitty, but think about all those things that you love, baseball, sport, whatever it is. All those things, art, culture, all of that stuff, theater, all of that stuff, not Disney, all of the other stuff will be there in heaven. What joy we will experience. Great story. I saved it for the end. My father-in-law will love this story. You will love this. A couple of years ago, there was a guy named Chet Fitch. He died in Oregon. He uh, was 88 years old. Imagine how stunned 34 of his friends and family were when they received Christmas cards from him after he was deceased. Now, Chet Fitch, let me tell you a little something. Chet Fitch was a practical joker. I mean, he, like, he just loved to play jokes on people. So he, this is what he writes in the card. I mean, priceless, priceless. I asked the big guy if I could sneak back and send some cards. At first he said no, but at my insistence he finally said, oh well, what the heaven? Go ahead, but don't tarry there. And then he signed it. I'll probably be seeing some of you sooner than you think. Wishing you a very Merry Christmas, Chet Fitch. Oh, I think there'll be a lot of Chet Fitch moments in heaven. Joy and happiness and laughter. Oh, God, it's good, right? It's so true. That's what we'll, that's what we'll experience. And another story, but I'm not going to share it for you. And then finally, as we end up, I just I want to conclude with this. When you look at, you know, the writers of Scripture sometimes, they find words for just, you know, the, the, uh, John, uh, Disciple John, or you look at the Apostle Paul, and they use words, and they're trying to describe what heaven will be like. But sometimes they try to use words to describe what they don't really know about it. Look at these words right here in Revelation, the end of the Bible. Revelation 21, 3 and 4. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. You can come up, music team. And he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. You can play some music, Barbara, in the background if you don't mind. Do you notice that there? Every single tear will be wiped away. Some of you right now, you live with physical... How many of you live with physical pain in your bodies right now? Well, you know what? This passage promises us that heaven will be pain-free, Advil-free, arthritis-free, no dentures, no counting fat crams, carbohydrate, counting all that stuff. Woo! Should be a big shout out for that. Yes, there will be eating. The, the great feast, I can't get into that either. Maybe you have loved ones or family members who are in wheelchairs. Well, there'll be no wheelchairs and, and your loved ones will be running and they'll be skipping and playing. Oh, I can't wait for that. Children that have special needs will be healthy and whole. Whole bodies, able minds. No more anxious waiting rooms. No more bloated stomachs. No more empty tissue boxes. No tear-stained divorce papers. No motionless ultrasounds. And no tiny caskets. Every single tear will be wiped away once and for all. That is your promise as a Christian. The best is yet to come. 
Don't be swayed. Don't be moved by the fog that is out there. There is an enemy that is after you and he wants to ruin and distort the picture that you have of your final destiny. Your final destiny is something greater than you could ever think or imagine. Lord, Lord, I thank you that you have given us some pictures of what our ultimate destiny will look like. Lord, even though we see dimly right now, Lord, there will come a day when all will be revealed. All will be restored. And like this little fish that is in this tank, Lord, that is us. May we see that, but may we not lose heart. May we know, Father, may we know that all of the trials and tribulations that we endure are preparing for us a greater and eternal weight of glory, Father. Help us to see, like a a sporting event, at the end of a sports season, the awards banquet, that at the end of the season, all the saints will gather together, Lord. You will reward us for what we do on earth, Lord. Lord, I ask that especially with our time and our resources, as Elliot said, Lord, we are no fools. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Lord, you offer us things that are eternal. Help us to see how temporal these things are on this planet. Help us to see, Father, what is true and what is real, as only you can do by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to City on a Hill's podcast. For more resources, visit us at chccny.com.